Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Mistress Bubble. This one is actually episode... Finally I remembered to actually <laughs> name the episode number. I've been saying that I was gonna say it for many many weeks. And today I finally remember that it's episode 33. There we go. Figure it out. Can you believe that, Spider? Yes, Spider's here with me. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to episode 33. I, I knew that all along. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Finally remembered. Exactly. And now, now we can have a clean intro to the episode. Very smooth. No hiccups whatsoever. How you been, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. I, uh... Truth be told, I feel like I've betrayed our cast a little bit here. I'm like, I'm out here playing Legacy, and I'm like, oh, Legacy is fun, and I'm like, oh, but we can't, don't, don't talk about that. Uh, that's not, that's not what we're here to do. It's okay, man. You're playing modern in Legacy, so we can actually talk about it for a little bit. I, I guess I am. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I am. That, that's that's a little bit shots fired. Um, just a very quick note. I, I played the Legacy showcases last weekend, and I decided to play Hammer Time in Legacy because. I think it's good. I know. Basically, here here's my reason. I think that the deck dodges a lot of hate in the format. Like, yeah, you get meltdowned, but there's so many hydroblasts in Legacy right now, and I'm like, well, okay, what deck dodges hydroblast and dodges graveyard aid and dodges? It's just like it just dodges all the stuff, and then you just also kill people quickly, and you play Esper Sentinel. So, man, you know. It, Sounds good to me. I don't. I, I got eleventh place. I went seven and two in the showcase. I beat Delver a bunch. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, for sure. And I like that you're unlike Death and Taxes. You also dodge Pyroblast because you're not playing Yorion. That's that's a five head move. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. You see, that's the that's the real reason to be because it was DNT on sixty. Not good. This. Woo. Got him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> smart. Smart man right here. I, I will say this deck basically is just all modern cards. Like it's banned modern cards, but it's modern cards. You you, you got you got your ancient and you got your mox opal, you got your your Umazawa's jit. Like those are modern cards. They're just banned. And and thank thank goodness because yeah. if mobile was in modern. <laughs> oh my god, hammer would be cracked in half. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. We're, we were talking about this before recording. It's just like, yeah, I guess, I guess, like maybe they knew this was coming when they banned Mox Opal, and everybody was just like, "Really? Are you gonna kill Affinity because of this?" And like, blah blah blah. Just like, no, no, no. <laughs> they knew Saga was coming. They knew Hammer would be outrageous with Mox Opal, so like they they banned it. Just you know, so we didn't have to go through that. So, thanks, Wizards. That that one you did fine. <laughs> That one time you did actually fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. Um I've been playing basically a modern deck in Legacy where I'm refusing to play Hammer in Modern. Instead, I jam the showcase and I I'd I'd been testing Death Shadow and Rhinos as we talked about in our last episode. And what actually happened was I needed the last QP and I pl- I got my very last point to play in the tournament. 45 seconds before the tournament started Oof. and i had been testing rhinos so i didn't have time to change decks so i was like i guess i'm playing rhinos and at the time i was like yeah that should be fine and then and then i just played against the card ledger shredder and was like why am i playing rhinos <laughs> like i just every time you do anything the thing triggers and then it blocks your dudes for free and you still get hit by Ragavans because you don't have the turn one removal, and you're not as unfair as Living End. And I just, oh man, I, ugh, I, I did not enjoy myself. <laughs> uh, I guess you should have played Shadow, huh? I guess I should have tested Rhinos first, and then I would have had the last play point or the last uh, qualifier point with Shadow forty five seconds before. Clearly, that was the play. Clearly, that was the play. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be starting off today's um, episode by discussing the results from the showcase. I actually did end up playing in that showcase as well. Uh, I started pretty well, and then I didn't do any well <laughs> after that. Wheels fell off rather quickly. I I, I do my, my classic strategy of, you know, making sure I get the, the loss out of the way early, and then I just win everything else. So I, I lost my first round versus Merktide, of course. 
I played Karn Amulet, like I like I said last week, by the way. All the, all the videos are on YouTube if, you know, you're interested in watching Amulet content from, like, two weeks ago. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, I lost against Merktide round one, and then I played against, like, Mono Black Coffers, which was obviously a pretty easy win. Then I played against Four Color, and I win, and I'm feeling like a million bucks. And then I play against Merktide, and I win, and I feel like two million bucks. And then I play against Shadow and Merktide, and they smash my face, and I don't feel like a million bucks anymore. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you, you can only, you know, dodge Merktide for, for so long. And for me, it was 50% of my metagame. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> so things did not go well for me. I'm like... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Karn because it's bad against Merktide, but it's great against the rest of the field. Well, if the field for you is fifty percent Merktide and like, <laughs> and like you know twenty percent Death Shadow, then maybe you should not be playing Karn. I don't know about fifty percent, but certainly for the winners meta game, looking through it, there's there's a lot of Merktide. Merktide was out in force. People like playing Merktide, and it's good. So. You know, I'm not surprised that it was just Merc time. I mean, I also was just like, oh, got murked, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this weekend, it, I mean, I guess that weekend, it's not this weekend. Uh, but there were a bunch of Merktites in the top eight. That's three Merktite players in the top eight. Uh, there's also uh, a Sh Grixis Shadow. Yeah. Then uh, we have one Belcher sneaking in there. Hope, may, maybe just like, you know, getting all the four-color pairings. Um, then we have uh, one four-color and uh, one amulet. And I'm definitely going to be talking about... Uh, also, leaving it. I forgot about that. Uh, we, we, actually, we actually took down the event. So, yeah, good thing that I forgot about it. <laughs> the winning uh, deck list. Exactly. Forget about that one. Uh, but, yeah, definitely going to be talking about... Um, the, the amulet tech that came out of the event, which was very cool. But uh, let's start by talking about Merktide. Yeah, so I, okay, I, I I understand that this is a different thing, but having played Legacy and hearing, you know, there's a lot of band discussion that I won't get into here, you know, we're talking about modern stuff, but, you know, there's a lot of Blue-Red Delver in that format, and, and Merktide, you know, also in modern, um, we still actually have the band card in Ragavan that's banned in Legacy, and you're just you're playing expressive iteration and counter magic and merc tide. So it's like you know it, it's definitely the same type of deck just in in the different format. And something I've been wondering is is this an archetype that you know? And, and let's just stick to modern here is just overplayed because people like it. And I I, I understand like the deck is definitely like merc tide. Make no mistake, merc tide is good. But the question is, is it as good as it is represented? Because I, I feel like much the way that people didn't play KCI when they were like, you know, KCI was not an exciting deck for most people to play. I feel like it's the exact opposite here, where I, I feel like nine times out of ten you ask someone, it's like, what's your favorite color pairing? And it's like, oh, it's blue, red, and murked. That's a little bit hyperbole, but I would, I would bet money that people's favorite color pairing more than any other is blue, red. That seems reasonable to me, honestly. Uh, at least amongst the competitive players. And I think that's a pretty big distinction, by the way. I feel like competitive players do love this style of deck because it feels like they have a lot of agency over the outcome of the game. And that is something that I always say about Amulet. You know, like Amulet is obviously a very, very powerful deck, but you have to be very okay in order to keep your sanity, I mean. Uh, you need to be very okay with knowing that you're going to be keeping a hand and you may just go land go, land go, land go and you didn't draw the piece that you were missing and you lost the game without doing literally anything at all. You need to be okay with those kind of, uh, of, of situations because uh, the way that I see it is, you know, I, I always give the example of, uh, you know, you're playing Jund versus Dredge, you know? And you go turn one Inquisition, and you go turn two Goyf, and you go turn three Liliana, and then you lose, you know? <laughs> and and you, you were zero percent to win that game. There was no way you were ever going to win that game. But you cast your Inquisition, you played your Tarmogoyf, Tarmogoyf was like a 4, 5, 5, 6, you know, was a big boy. You played your Planeswalker, you updicted, you know. You feel like you did stuff, and it yeah. kind of feels not as bad when you eventually <laughs> lose. 
uh, even though you were actually 0% to win the game. With Amulet or like with combo decks, uh, the, the story is very much different and you will very often just like, you see that with like decks like uh, Adnacio Tendrils or Storm, uh, where, you know, you, you just win the game and your opponent did nothing. You know, they went land, go, land, go, land, go, concede. And you're just like, yeah. like what the hell? But you were actually one draw step away from losing the game. But you don't see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really see that you were actually one card away from losing the game. So you feel like your opponent did nothing, but you were actually... They were very, very heavy favorite to beat you. And with Amulet, it's very, very similar. You know, you're just like, you keep a hand, and it has the potential for a turn three kill, except that you need to draw the Titan, and you draw, and you draw, and you draw, and you draw, like four draw steps, and you didn't see the Titan, and your Titan opponent played... They lost the game without playing a single card. But... Right. If they find a Titan, they win on the spot. So I feel like this deck is it, this, but to the millionth, <laughs> you know? Right. Because it has agency. Uh, it makes you feel like you have agency over literally everything because, number one, your cards are busted, right? You, as you were saying, you have the Monkey, you have DRC, you have Shredder, you have Murktai. Like, your threats are super, super... Um, not only extremely efficient, but also straight up broken. Like, Murktide is, is a messed up card. And then you have extremely broad answers as well. So you have your, you know, Unholy Heat and Lightning Bolt, like some of the most efficient removal spells in the entire game. Expressive Iteration as card advantage, and then obviously Counterspell. Like, what's more flexible than a card that doesn't really care about what your opponent is doing, you just counter it. So uh, th this deck basically has total agency over the outcome of the game or at least it gives that feel you know maybe you had like a couple of removal spells and you got paired against Belcher and you you just lost the game and you were senior person to win that game you know uh, but because uh, you feel like you did stuff like you played your monkey and you expressed your agent on two you feel like you did something so you don't feel as bad when you end up losing I, I agree. I, I do think there is a degree specifically with these decks of you get a lot of card selection as well. Mm -hmm. So between your considers or your DRC triggers or your connives or your expressive iterations, you kind of always get to do a lot of the same things. And obviously, you know, modern is a pretty fast format. So, you know, there are different games that you're going to have, right? Like, Sometimes you just have turn one monkey and it runs away with the game. And that game will look very different than the game where you went just, you know, counterspell, 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 Murktide, you lose. But by and large, you get to do a lot of similar things every match. And so I, I think, you know, that consistency element, the fact that I can keep most hands as long as I have, you know, a land or a couple of lands and, you know, reasonable spells. Um, these are all things that makes these decks attractive. And again, I, I, I know that this deck is good, but when I look at these results, it's like, man, I feel like people are just like, hey, this is a good deck and I enjoy playing it. And there's nothing, you know, I, I don't fault anybody for playing a deck that they enjoy, but I wonder if that means that the deck is more represented, like meaning people play it more than it is actually good. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, but the problem is when the deck is as good as this deck is, it's it's so much harder to figure out. You know what I'm right. saying? Like your your example for KCI was great in that, you know, being the exact opposite of this. But like here we actually have a very, very good deck. These are literally the most efficient cards in the format. How yeah. much busted can it get than Ragavan? You know what I'm saying? Like what's the next step after Ragavan? <laughs> like Ragavan with haste? Is that is that <laughs> the next step? Like it just naturally has haste besides the dash? Yeah, haste uh, ETB draw a card. Yeah, but no, I I, I think <laughs> yeah, obviously efficiency is great. Um, I mean, it's interesting because like in this same tournament, we actually you know you were talking about amulet as a kind of opposite example, and amulet actually you know it got third place. So amulet's kind of back as an opposite sort of thing, and but but amulet is is much more on that other side, right? Of you have people who are specialists. But I, I don't think that that many people are like, ooh, Amulet's good, I'm just going to play Amulet because it's good. I, I, I don't really think that that happens. Whereas you have a lot of people who are like, hey, Blue-Red's good, so oh, I would love to play Blue-Red. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like this is a deck that people are dying to have an excuse to play. 
that is it, it just it, that is the feel the feeling that i get you know like people are just dying for a deck like blue red i mean for the same reason that people always love jund right everybody's looking for like yeah i, I just want jund to be great because i really want to play it but like jund has been terrible forever basically well, it, <laughs> but exactly and I, I i was thinking about this um chris giglio post who's occasional content creator who's been jamming a lot of Murktide. He, he posted about this. He was like, is Murktide actually good? It, I think it's just Junt. And I was like, it is just Junt. It absolutely is. I mean, it's it's probably better than Junt really ever was. I mean, maybe, you know, there's maybe some exceptions, a uh, Deathrite Shaman. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I, I feel like he's kind of right where you don't get that many free wins and... You know, you're like, ah, I got my, like, 55%er here. But, you know, people are ta- saying that oh, maybe the deck isn't actually good against living in, right? Or, oh, it's not actually favored against four color. And those are the other two perceived best decks. So if your deck is bad against the other two best decks, then, you know, and if you if you go to the next tier of, like, okay, there's Hammer Time, which you're bad against, and there's Rhinos, which is supposed to be close. So, like, you start to think about these things, and it's like, well, wait. If you're not actually good against these things, what's going on? Well, the thing is that you're not maybe actually good, but you can never be that bad. You know, like, we, it, the, the joke was always, yeah, John is like 45% against the field, right? Like, you're, you're like, only a slight... Uh, like a slight underdog against everything, uh, and then and then Tron obviously, but yeah. the difference is that here you are, I think you're forty nine percent against the field, if anything. You know what I'm saying? So like you're actually a lot better than John ever was, and the difference is that you were saying that you don't have free wins, but Ragaman on turn one unanswered yeah. is a free win very often. Regardless, regardless of what matchup you're facing, if you go turn one monkey, and then you simply like sit, even if you'd never flip anything, like as an amulet player, the single, I mean, besides blood moon effects in both sides of the games, but like whenever I lose game once against uh, blue red Merktide, it's the vast majority of the time because my opponent goes turn one monkey. And then I can never ever catch up. And they just continue deploying threats and they they express iteration, they dig for their answers. And then they find their unholy heat. And then they enable Illyrium with the DRC or that ledger shredder. And all of a sudden, like my opponent was able to do all of these things, and they never tapped out. Yeah. They always had like two, three, four treasures just just chilling there that they could cast all their counter magic with. So that is such a massive advantage for a deck like this one. Like, it's it's absurd. Like, it, it's crazy how good that can be. And it doesn't feel like a free win. Like, again, like it, it doesn't feel like a free win because you allowed your opponent to cast spells. <laughs> but the, you counter them all <laughs> because you had infinite mana thanks to, thanks to the monkey and you never tapped out and you were always holding your counter magic and then you had expressive duration to, like, refuel constantly. So yeah. it doesn't feel like it was a free win. Like it feels like you worked for it, but the reality is that it was a free win. I mean, it doesn't always feel like you worked that hard. Like I, as, as someone who's played a bit of Murktide, like I, I remember when I went to, uh, to, to the event that I played with, with Evan, he, he actually lent me his Murktide deck and he was playing blue white and we were kind of messing around. I'm like, Oh, like, let's just play a match while we wait. And I, I was, I got the play. I went turn one monkey and he didn't have the prismatic ending, or he did, and his land was tapped because blue white. I don't understand, you know, blue white. Um, <laughs> and I just, blue I white just, reasons. you know, turn two. I connected with Ragavan. You know, he's played his celestial colonnade, and I hit to fairy, and I went caster to fairy, <laughs> and the game just. I mean, it just like it ended on the spot, of course, right? And like, and, and you get to do this all the time. Like the moment you cast anything off of the Ragavan. It, it, it starts to feel really messed up. Like, oh, I'll, I'll play your Archmage's Charm and draw two, right? Or, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll grab that bobble from your deck. Thanks. Now, now my monkey was actually Uro, right? Yeah. So, you know, when it, when it connects it, 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 it can feel pretty unfair. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think people enjoy doing that too. It's like, I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed casting Evans to fairy. <laughs> <laughs> and who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that's definitely what uh, what I what I feel about this deck is just uh, 
I honestly think that it's very, very good. I think that it's it's the best deck in the format. Like I think that really? it's it's the best deck in the format. I think and the reason for that is that sure, like you have maybe like a bad matchup against Hammer. Uh but I've seen like Nasif play multiple times against Hammer and, and like beat it. You know? Like you just sometimes you just have like turn one monkey, it connects a couple of times, you have like infinite resources, you blood moon them and they don't have saga tokens, or like you dress down them. You have so many tools and your tools are so freaking diverse. <laughs> like you're you just do anything. Like that is your opponent playing Tron, you can blood moon them. Like is your opponent playing uh you know uh hammer, you can explosives them. Is your opponent playing uh leaving end, you have unlicensed hers, you have like subtlety, you have flusterstorm, like you have so many tools and your tools are fucked up. <laughs> like they're they're yeah. literally the best cards against those in the format. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I really am struggling to find, like, one deck that I'm just like, yes, like, I, I can never beat that deck. Because even, like, your bad matchups can only be so bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can always win against most... I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. I can't really think of a deck where it's like, you could never win. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I, I'm not that happy about a lot of matchups. And, and yeah, that, that's an interesting place to be. People, you know, it, it's going to depend on play style but as we talk about a lot of people do do like that i i don't know that i think like in fact i'm pretty sure that i i, I do, don't agree with the idea that murktide is the best deck in the format you know that's it's subjective but um like to me i think it is i i feel like it is overrepresented but you know if it's if it is actually just the best deck in the format then is there such a thing <laughs> i mean again like this is just how i feel and like how every time I see it being played and every time I play against it, you know, like with a variety of decks, uh, obviously with Amulet, we have a terrible matchup. I'm going to talk about like some of the um, innovations that have happened in this very event that have sort of changed the paradigm a little bit, which I, I think are very interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's still like a bad matchup, even after like you're tinkering all that much. And yeah, again, like I've seen like multiple streamers play the deck, and it feels like, again, sometimes they get paired against what it feels like it's about matchup, like four color, and uh, like you look at the decks and you're like, yeah, of course, four color is a terrible matchup. Like you see, you see them in paper, and it's just like, yeah, of course, obviously, and then you actually get to the games and you see that you know the four color player plays the Omnath and they just get you know disputed or something, and it's just like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. You know, like all of these things are, are happening constantly, and uh, everything needs to line up in a very, very specific way for decks to, you know, for you to feel like you really didn't have any agency. And I feel like in the end, that's sort of what it does. Uh, what what makes this deck so appealing is that there are so many decisions because you have so many one mana spells. It's the same thing with Delver and Legacy. You have so many spells that you are playing that you make so many decisions and every decision that you make correctly kind of gives you like a little bit more percentage. So the better players are going to make more of those decisions properly and they're going to, you know, accrue more and more percentages over time. So the good players that like to play these decks, they, they enjoy it and they're good at them. They, they make the, the better decisions more often and they end up winning more often because the deck sort of lends itself to, the, to that. And one thing it, that, that is true about the deck is I think that it's very, very hard to play because of, yeah. of this very reason. I feel like what you're saying about the deck being over overrepresented, I feel like it has to do with that as well. Interesting. Like everybody thinks, you know, oh yeah, that just, just play Blue Red Merktide. And then they end up doing terribly because, you know, they don't know how to sequence their spells. They're leaving percentage points, like they don't bubble trick themselves or like they crack a bubble when they shouldn't. Uh, you know, like all of these things matter a lot with a deck like this. Like, do I cast the bubble this turn? Or do I cast it next turn when I have a DRC and my opponent has like a relic going on? Uh, you know, I, I have to force him to pop the relic, that kind of deal. Uh, you know, how how do I squeeze every single like 0.001 percentage uh, to win this game? And I feel like a lot of people sort of play this deck in autopilot. Oh yeah, turn one monkey go brr. And in reality, that's <laughs> that's just not always that's just not always the case. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, th there's 
there's a very, very big delta of difference in, in, in the skill and the, I imagine, the win percentage of like the average Murtag player versus the good Murtag players. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I see a lot of, uh, you, you talked about a bobble, and that, that is far and away the one that at least sitting across from them is most obvious to me of like, oh, like, why did you... Why did you crack this then? Why did you play it then? Why did you target me? You're playing Archmage's Charm. You're playing Ledger Shredder. You're playing like Expressive Iteration. All of these cards are so skilled. Just, obviously, they're all busted, right? Like, they're all very, very good. They're all extremely efficient. They do so much for so little amount of mana. But they also, on the other hand, they have a lot of modality. They have a lot of options. They they force you to make a lot of decisions. And if you're playing this card at like 30% of its potential, then overall that's going to hurt your win percentage in, in a pretty big way uh, by the time you play like 10, 15, 50 matches, you know? Of course. I feel like that's the big, big difference. And that's one of the things that, if anything, I think that the deck is overrepresented in a bad way. If, if, if What I'm trying to say is that way too many people play it, but less people should play it, and the next win rate would be much better, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I get it. The, the people who, who, are, who are flocking to it aren't necessarily playing it as well. So, you know, maybe you're seeing it and you're thinking like, hey, like maybe this deck isn't that good, but actually it, it maybe the pilot was the, the thing. The next win percentage should be better than it is, if that makes sense. It should be 49% and not 48%. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Definitely interesting conversation about this deck, uh, which uh, we're going to be talking about, I imagine, for <laughs> for a really long time. Uh, this is, I feel like, since MH2, a bunch of decks have like risen to prominence and then fell off over and over again. And this is the only one that has remained tier one since MH2 was released. At yeah. least since this became a deck. Since this became a deck, like, the different Cascade decks went up and down. Blue-White at one point was very, very good. Obviously, when Lurus was, was a card, Grixis Shadow was very, very popular. And all of these decks just sort of waxed and waned as part of the metagame. And there was only one deck that has remained Tier 1 since then, and it was this one. Yeah. And it feels like this is... The, the the optimal you know like the optimal version or like it's optimal form not in terms of like whatever like uh, the amount of lesser shredder and drc is like we, we don't talk about that in this podcast you know what i'm saying but <laughs> but i'm talking about like this concept of the deck you know like this is the optimal version in terms of the game plan how you want to build with the card murktide regent this yeah. feels like it's the best thing that you can do with the card murktide regent yeah it does so this deck is not going going anywhere until something gets banned, I think. Like I think that this is it's just way too good and way too efficient. Like I don't think the, the, the other thing is like what do you print to make this deck obsolete? Mox Opal. <laughs> okay, sure. But <laughs> uh, I would just immediately like make hammer better, beat yeah. tide. <laughs> All right, but but I mean that would be make make hammer better beat literally everything. So I don't know. Yes. If, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's particularly helpful. Uh, but yeah, like the, you know, in the past you had you know everybody's playing like a bunch of DRCs and it's just like okay now we have to play a license hearse against it and endurances and all of a sudden like people started beating Merktide. Well, now they're playing Ledger Shredder and it's just like, damn it, <laughs> my, it's, it's difficult my, to attack. Yeah, it, it's so hard to attack because it doesn't really have any easy to target uh, holes, you know? Yeah. So tell us tell us about about Amulet here. I, enough, oh, yeah. enough about blue-red. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Exactly, exactly. Let me roll up my sleeves as I talk about uh, what has been one of the most interesting innovations to the archetype that I've seen in a very, very long time. And this is, you know, a known issue for Amulet. You know, what I, what I was saying earlier about blue-red and Murktide being a, really, a pretty bad matchup. So, the reason that is the case, it's because, you know, not only do they have a fast clock, they have very, very efficient and, and good disruption, and then they have, obviously, the vein of Amulet existence in the sideboard, Blood Moon. And not only Blood Moon, 
but also Magus of the Moon. So, you know, they force you to bring in your Dismember in case they have the Magus, and you also have to have the Boseju in case they have the actual Blood Moon. And it's, uh, you know, sort of like a, a dancing game of like, oh, did, did I draw the right answer to like their, their, their right Moon effect? You know, that kind of deal, um, which makes the matchup very, very complicated and extremely hard to navigate. Well, enter Gurig in third place, a Japanese player. They really took it to the next level. So, we, you know, you start looking at the deck list and you're like, yeah, you see your Arboreal Gracer, your Asusa, Cultivator Colossus, all this stuff that, you know, you, you're accustomed to seeing in amulet deck lists. And then you go towards the end, you're like, oh, weird, where's the Explorer? Uh, excuse me? There's three copies of Sakura Tribe Elder in this deck list? What? Uh, well, turns out, we're playing four copies of Cavernous Souls in this deck. You can name Cavernous Souls on Snake or Shaman to cast <laughs> to cast Psycho Traveler. You're laughing right now, but you have no idea how relevant this is. You have no idea how relevant this is. Like, the difference between having to go turn two tap at Bounce Land and then I'll cast uh, my, my Steve on the following turn or cut the cast the Steve on turn two is huge. Absolutely massive difference. Um, so, like, that's a very real thing, by the way. Not only that, but also, Steve gives you the basic, which is exactly what you're looking for against Bloodman. Yeah. Right? Steve doesn't require you to find the basic. Steve just goes and gets it. You know, unlike Explore. Explore still, sure, like, you get to play your Exolandra, but you have to naturally find that basic force in order to be able to do anything at all. So, Steve goes and gets it for you. Awesome. Also, Steve blanks a monkey attack. If you go turn one tap land or whatever, your opponent goes turn one monkey, then you go turn two Steve. All of a sudden, your opponent needs to attack with monkey and you can choose, do I want to trade here? Sometimes in, in specific circumstances, you may be in a position where you just want to trade with the monkey. What is your opponent going to do? Like point a bolt at the Steve? They can't, they can't do that. Like that's so bad for them. I mean, they can, but it, yeah, it's exactly. not good. Yeah. Exactly, it, it, it's heinous for them. Um, so it puts your opponent in a very, very awkward spot. Um, so Steve like does that, then, which is hilarious against Living End. <laughs> Steve okay. is very good against Living End. <laughs> very, very good there, um, and then. What's going on is that this is also part of like a whole package. It's it's a whole anti-Merktide package. And let me tell you how this how this works out. You go onto the sideboard and you find the classics, you find your Bosage, you find your Ember Cool the Promise Stand, you find Engineer Explosives, two copies of Hydro Crisis, one basic island. <laughs> okay. You see what's going on here? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Your opponent blood moons you. And then you play like a 5-5-6-6-7-7 crisis off of the basic island that you found off of your Sakura Tribal. I mean, if you get the time, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you're playing a blood moon game, you more often than not do have the time. That's sort of how the matchup ends up playing out. I mean, sure, like, your opponent may just have the nuts, right? Like, they go turn one monkey, turn two counterspell, turn three blood moon, with, like, an holy hit and interaction, it's just like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> like, you just, yeah, right. you got me, you know? Um, but, usually what happens is your opponent uh, either finds a fast hand, and they're, like, digging towards that blood moon, or they have a blood moon hand, like a slow blood moon hand, or, like, Magus hand, or whatever. So, that oftentimes gives you the time to sort of develop this game plan. Worst case scenario, like you just, your opponent does not have the Blood Moon, and then you play like a Crassus for eight, gain right. eight, you know, gain like four life, draw four cards, uncounterably. Like yeah. your opponent can use no. the Dress Down if they want to, but like even if you don't draw the Cavern, which you have to, four copies of again, so. It being a cast trigger is is a really big deal. So yes. you, you have the four caverns if they haven't mooned, and even if they have, you're still just, okay, cast trigger, what are you going to do, counterspell? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And also, very funny, Arboreal Gracer is a beast, Cultivator Colossus is a beast, Hydra Crisis is a Jellyfish Hydra beast. So, <laughs> okay. Cavern on Beast actually covers a bunch of different... Uh, 
a bunch of different angles right there, which is which is very cool. And then, uh, and this is the part that maybe it's a little bit lost in the sauce: two copies of Inferno Titan. Because if Why? you want, if you wanted a threat to cast under Blood Moon, I don't think you can do that much better than two copies of Inferno Titan. No, no, there's no really like. Is do you okay? Okay, I feel like you believe in Steve. I feel like you believe in Hydroid Crazes. I feel like yes. you believe in Island. Do you believe in Inferno Titan? Not at all. No. Okay. The way that this okay. ends Thank up working you. out. Thank yeah, no, goodness. <laughs> that's that's why I said like, so all of these are fantastic innovations, right? Like Steve was incredible. Crazes, same deal. We even saw Canister this past, this past weekend uh, top eight in the challenge um, with uh, three copies of Crazer or like the full four maybe. I think it was actually the full four copies of Crasers, uh, like two in the main deck, two in the sideboard, if I'm not mistaken. So Crasers is, I, I'm I have not had enough experience with the with the with the this particular version of the deck to say that it's definitely the truth. But there are some you know high tier believers in the Crasers, okay. um, and it makes enough sense for me to want to try it and for me to, in theory, at least believe in it. From theory to practice, there's you know there, there there's a stretch for sure. But um, now, Inferno Titan just doesn't work out. <laughs> By the time you finally get to your six mana to cast this Inferno Titan, your opponent is just sitting there with that counter magic that they've been salivating for a good target for, <laughs> and it's just not gonna do anything. Like the truth of the matter is, that it just comes down way too late. Um, but it's sweet though. <laughs> It's definitely sweet. Uh, are, are you better off just playing this member in this slot? Yes, probably. <laughs> very, very <laughs> likely. But just think about the look in your opponent's face when you tap six mana. They're feeling comfy with their Magus of the Moon, and you, you tap six mana, and you show them the Inferno Titan. No, that's... I mean, yeah. Yeah, you you could get them. I don't know. I, if you were going to tell me that Inferno Titan was the truth, I, I was about to just retire. I was like, all right, I don't understand anything. <laughs> I'm done. I just take my cards. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap this up, basically, all of this was very, very uh, cool in innovation. I think that is extremely smart. And Japanese players, once again, thinking off the walls, I off the wall ideas that just makes sense. You know, like this is something that Japanese players have been uh, recognized for for years, really. And uh, here we see another example once again. Very, yeah. very cool. And a bunch of the decklists that we see these days are using these cards because this is fantastic in the in the Merktide infested metagame. Like this is, it's like a whole package deal, you know, kind of sort of stuff. You know, um, the uh, the Merktide players played Blood Moon. We got Poseidon, so we play like three or four copies of Poseidon. Then the Merktide players adapt. They play Magus, and then now we adapt once again. Uh, we've been looking for. The, the next innovation, like the next step in this sort of uh, Murktide versus Amulet fight, and this is it. This is very good. I tried it, and I played against Murktide with this uh, very decklist last week, and I did feel good about it. Like, I actually, I was drawing the cards, and I'm just like, yep, this that's exactly what I wanted to do, <laughs> so here we go. Um, so... I was I was impressed. I was I was impressed, and uh, it was it was very cool to find to find this decklist. You know, when you looked when we first looked at the at the results and were like, "What the hell is going on?" And then like the whole Amulet Titan community started thinking and just like, "Wait, this is this is just this is genius. <laughs> this is so freaking smart." It's it's always cool when you you get to discover new tech. You know, there, there's no new cards. There's no you know the meta game is largely solidified, but we're we're still seeing decks you know wax and wane, come to prominence and then go away. I mean, the rest of the top thirty two otherwise is not you know there's no great surprises. There's there's actually Dismana Yog in there, which doesn't make the the top eight. Um, there's a couple of like creativity decks, but. You know, th th this is really what you'd expect, except for, except for your friend Steve. Yeah, uh, this was a very interesting, uh, one of the most interesting showcase uh, in in for for the Amulet Titan community at least that we've had in a very long time. So uh, props to Grig 
great, great job. In fact, they actually top-aided the challenge, I think, on Sunday, like this Sunday. Like, this actually happened, the showcase happens last week. Uh, it happened on the uh, 24th of, um, of June, uh, of July, sorry. And uh, now uh, Gurik has stopped the uh, challenge on the 1st of August with a pretty similar list, actually. We're still nice. on, you know, Gracers, one Asusa, two Colossus, and the three Steves uh, with um, a slightly different uh, mana base with the basic island in the main deck, which I think it makes a lot of sense because you're trying to, you know, free up some cyber slots and couple of beast withings in the sideboard which they're weird but sure I mean, I whatever <laughs> beast within is one of the few things that would catch both magus and moon i suppose it is it is but historically it's like the worst of the bunch yeah uh, particularly particularly in a matchup like merc tide where your life total does matter a lot right so in the past you know you you bring it in but it's just always awkward and always like not as great as you would want it to be. Well, also, three mana spells need to be good in modern, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be doing, you know, you have opponents who are going three mana, put ten power into play. You have opponents who are going three mana, put Teferi into play. And you're, you're over here, three mana give you a 3-3. Three, three. So, yeah, it's uh, a little lackluster these days for sure. Yeah, no, not a fan for sure. I've, I've definitely played Beast Within in my sideboard in the past, but that was mostly as an answer to Ashiok when Ashiok was widely played. <laughs> okay. Very, very few answers to Ashiok in, in Mono Green. So it was either it was either Beast Within or Primal Command, and trust me, I did that. I did them both. <laughs> I, it, it's so fascinating to me hear, hearing you talk about like these super niche answers that you've got to do, because I, like, I, I've done the same thing, you know, when I was really the taxes specialist is like you know you would you would you would find some just bullshit off the wall card that it's like you know an old taxes buddy was just talking about uh i believe the card is the priest of thune it's like the one in a white i think it's a two one that has like a it's it's not disenchant it's 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 specifically kill an enchantment and and, and and he's like oh yeah you get your you know you get your urza sagas and you get your sagarda's aids and it's like you know, I'm 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 no longer. I feel like you know, banging my head against the wall. Like, you know, it, 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 sometimes you believe it's like the perfect answer is out there. I just have to find it, and sometimes you do find it. Sometimes it's like, oh, Steve, you know, you, you did it. But sometimes it's point. it's you know, a lot of the time it's like, oh, maybe I I shouldn't put Jaunted Grunt back in my deck for the third time. <laughs> Dude, that's so old school. I love that. I I love that card. I like have okay. Just quick aside, I have forever wanted that card to be good, and it has never been good. <laughs> it's like it's a two mana four four or something like that, right? It, it is. Gotta, it it's is. gotta be good. <laughs> it, it, it isn't though. <laughs> it is not. It is not. As far as tournaments, though, I, I I do think the um the energy in particular is the other one worth talking about. There was a ten k in um in Chicago. Um, and there's, or Chicago land was what they, they titled the tournament and it, it got taken down by, by Yorion, you know, four color goodies. There's, uh, not, not, not too much to expect there. The pilot was Zach Dubin, I believe. Um, you know, they've got the couple of ephemerates. There's a dress down in the main. It's not too much to talk about. This is, uh, not a risen reef build. So you're just, you know, you're, you're doing all the good stuff, counterspell, expressive yeah, iteration. Yeah, no Traverse either. Yeah, no Traverse. But notably, your, actually, your old co-host, uh, House, got second place and yep. played more Amulet. And House was actually not not up to snow, you know, did, did not know about the six Steve tech, or at least <laughs> didn't believe in it. Because I, I see four explorers here, and it's like, oh, oh, you know, I don't know. If, yeah. yeah, so... Um, Basically, what's going on here is in what the way that it ended up working for House is that uh, everybody was out to beat Merktide at this event, so all the Merktide players lost early, or at least the majority <laughs> of them. 
I'm not even kidding. Like that was that was a strat. So if if you're expecting that to happen, then Explore is the better card in at least I would say like most of the matchups that are not specifically Merc Tide. Well, so what does that mean? Like they're out to get Merc. So like just spoiler, there are two Merc Tide in the top of eight. Of course, yeah. And there's course. more Merc Tide in, in the top everything. Um, we just talked about how you know resilient the deck is. So what is like what is House looking around and seeing and going? Oh yeah, like they're getting Merc Tide out of the way. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Merc Tide was out to beat Merc Tide, so <laughs> some Merc Tides needed to get there. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so that's that's basically what, what he went for. I, I imagine that it had to do with like people just doing random things, like main deck, like a license hers and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that, and like this is what I heard from House, like he was talking about that in the Discord. So I I don't know like how he thought of this, so like why he thought of this, but I mean, it clearly you know he he got second, so it was it was pretty good. I mean, he he dodged he dodged Merch died uh, a bunch, so there's okay. that. <laughs> Notably, there is another amulet in the top eight, and it actually did go for the Sakura Tribelder yeah. uh, tech. So, I mean, that, that's really the story of, you know, since the last podcast of this one is the rise in prominence of, of Amulet again. Uh-huh. And then, you know, of course, just Merktide being Merktide. The, the top eight otherwise here, you know, there is a, um, there's another Four Colors Elemental. Um, as I mentioned, the, the two Merktides, the two Amulets, they're actually Yawgmoth managed to get eighth place. Um, Yawgmoth still, still, at least a decent enough deck. Um, I, I, I think most people would view it as like just under like the, the, the top tier power level, but certainly I, I think it's a deck, you know, those specialists really, really enjoy. Um, and then the, the, the real weird thing in this top eight, and I, you know, I, I actually, I wish we had Evan around to talk about this, but he, he's not, not only is he not here on the podcast, he's not even playing modern. He, he's out here. <laughs> playing pioneer but the the deck is blue white control and it is kahira and i I will do my best uh you know evan impersonation here you know i'm gonna step step in the blue white control mage shoes here uh you know if i was truly doing an evan person i need to like drop and i need to drop my voice an octave (laughs) but uh you got it here you got it this deck is is really interesting because they're playing uh, the card that Fran always wants to shove in my face that isn't good, which is they're playing three main deck subtlety. Yeah, baby! So <laughs> they're, they're playing three of those. They're playing four solitudes. They're playing three force of negations. So they're playing a lot of free spells in this deck. And a lot of the time, Blue-White has not liked doing this. You know, they, they don't want to two-for-one themselves too much. They were all playing solitude for quite a while, but most people weren't doing force of negation and subtlety in the main and the the reason that I think this person got away with it is sort of a, a twofold thing. And I, I think this is really interesting. So the first is they're playing Chalice of the Void. And Chalice of the Void's really good against Cascade. If you can put it on one, it's very good against your Murktides and your uh, Grixis Death Shadows, those type of decks. So it really is going to help you against that sort of low to the ground part of the field. And your free spells can kind of help bridge the gap. Right, so if you're on the play, let's see, you turn one land, your opponent turn one Ragavan, and then you play Chalice. Well, now if I can subtlety or you know uh, solitude your Ragavan, the Chalice is so much better because you didn't sneak a monkey in, right? And that that's mm-hmm. really night and day. So that that card's going to do a lot there. But then on the other side, for the the you know top end of the format, the the four colors that are going to outgrind you naturally. This person is playing four Narset and two Days Undoing. And so what this is doing, Narset by itself is going to be really good against four color. It's going to shut off, you know, the Omnath draw trigger. It's going to shut off the Teferi bounce draw. It's going to shut off the Risen Reef draw. It's going to, there's so many just incidental draw effects in four color and Narset just, just good, right? You're going to activate it. Even if your opponent prismatics it, you still got a card. Maybe you got two cards, but it really comes together when you realize that days and doing with Narset, and, and this is something people are doing in Legacy, is just you go to one card and I keep seven. So it's a sort of, I mean, it's not a combo in the sense that, you know, it's not Thassa's Oracle. It's not literally I win the game, but it's I win the game. 
yeah, you can even do cute things like four copies of the fairy, so you can do this on your opponent's draw step, so they draw none. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is very very nasty. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, so I I think this this build is is really really cool. I actually I I think I'm a big believer in this. I'm I'm not sure I'm a believer in zero uh, five mana to fairy. But, you know, maybe the logic here is you need Jace because, you know, sometimes you're going to have cards that aren't right in the matchup and you can just, you know, brainstorm away those Chalice of the Voids because they're not relevant or, you know, whatever the case may be. The sideboard's a bit funky. This person is actually playing an entire Stoneforge package in the sideboard, which includes a Batterskull, a Cauldra, a Sophie, and four Stoneforge Mystics. So that's, I'm counting seven cards in the sideboard. I, I don't really get this i don't get like the idea of doing a juke plan that is a seven card juke plan in a control deck i know you know control mages forever have always loved just like oh yeah you put in that lyra from the sideboard you put in that geist of saint Trath from the sideboard you put it you know what it's it's some dumb creature um but in this case seven slots is is a lot of slots. So I'm, I'm not a necessarily believing that I haven't, you know, again, this is in theory, I haven't touched this list, but I, I, I really like the look of this main deck for, you know, the expected field. Like you, I, I guess it would be the winner's bracket, right? Your Merc Tides, your Cascades and your four colors. Yeah. I love the, the cohesion of this deck, you know, like this deck list is so cohesive in terms of you have like this game plan, you have like this hammers, uh, that you want to protect, and what better way to protect them than that with free spells? <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, like if you play your chalice and then your opponent just you know untaps and they want a prismatic ending it. Well, like you have the force of negation, you can protect it. Like now you can untap on the following turn. I'm sure you two for one yourself, and you like do all the th- those these things. But then you have ways to actually recoup this. Like this makes so much sense as a package. You know, I feel like if you get that they say doing Narset part of the combo, all of a sudden, the force of negations and the subtleties get so much worse. Yeah. And vice versa. And vice versa. Like, if you cut these free spells, all of a sudden, like, the Narset days and doing thing is not going to be that likely to come to fruition because your opponent is going to figure out one way or another to disrupt this from you. So Exactly. I mean, I imagine, imagine like, you play against, say you play against four color and... You get to let's say you turn three. You played Narset at resolved. You could you could then and obviously this is a little bit of magic Christmas Christmas land, but but indulge me. You go Narset. Narset activates. You find Force of Negation. So now your opponent has to decide what to do. Are they going to try to Prismatic Ending and get forced? You know, are they going to just uh, play something irrelevant? Are they going to play like a Risen Reef that doesn't draw a card? Um, maybe they play their Teferi, but they have to just tick up. And then you just untap, having used Narset, whether you, you, you had to pitch your Force of Negation or not, and now you have your draw step, and you have Narset activation again, which could then find Days Undoing. So you have stopped them from removing it, untapped, and nuked their hand. Like, that, yeah. that, that's insane. That's so good. A little thing, though. Uh, it doesn't actually stop the recent Reef trigger. Recent Reef and Expressive Iteration do not draw cards. They oh, exile the top not? and they put it in the hand. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought first I was under the impression that uh, Risen Reef was actually draw. Well, you know, never, never mind. It's it's garbage. No. <laughs> I mean, it's still very good. Like you're still stopping, you know, all of the uh, abundant growth and like all of this nonsense cards. And like you're making your significantly worse, obviously, because a bunch of the effects that you get are, you know. From a lot of the value that you get from the year are precisely from the draw a card clauses that you have in a bunch of your cards, but right, but yeah, specifically recent refund and iteration do not get affected by Narset, right? Good, good catch. It is worth noting, just looking at the oracle text on reef here, it's the classic look at the top card, and uh-huh. then if it's a land, you get to put it in, if you don't, put it in your hand, not not draw it, which you do do, but not technically draw it. Yeah, it's the same as Bob, is a similar template in then. Than Dark Tom, confident in that sense. Right. 
another car that gets around <laughs> Narset. <laughs> <laughs> good, good catch, but um, yeah, I, I, I do think this card, generally speaking, is going to be really nice against them. And of course, you know, the texture of the matchup will change. Like maybe you can't tick her down because you're worried they're going to bolter, or you know, maybe they have Ren and Six in play, so you're worried they're going to ping, or they just counter Narset, or you know what? There, there, there's a billion things that could go into this, but the the theory I, I, I think really is there, and having this actual late game inevitability against them is really nice you know always the best card from four color against blue white is emrakul and you know they can mm -hmm. fetch emrakul and that's a huge issue but um conveniently actually days undoing hits the graveyard so yeah. it, it it stops them from stopping you at the same time yeah it's very randomly funny <laughs> randomly hoses the graveyards it's pretty hilarious um, but but yeah, definitely very very cool uh, idea. I'm not sure if this breaks blue white. Uh, I'm pretty sure like we're not gonna see blue white become uh, one of the top decks in the format like it was like six months ago or something when Waffle was topping every single event with blue white. Um, but it is a very very interesting approach, and I think that it's very well done. Like I think that it was the deck is well built in terms of you know, how all the pieces work together. Absolutely. Otherwise, uh, looking through that tournament, there's actually, there's a ton of four color. I, I, I do think that that tends to be people's experience that people just love playing four color in paper. Yeah, four color and blue red merktide are probably just going to be the decks that we're going to see the most in paper events. Like, regardless of metagame, regardless of like you know what's good and what's bad and like what's a good call or whatnot i feel like f just some form of urion deck like four color urion deck like be it elementals be it you know like the one that took down this event with eternal witness ephemerate like whatever but like ephemerate uh, uh, like sorry uh, urion variants and blue red merktide variants again like however you want to build it with like shredders or drcs or whatever uh, those are going to be decks that we're going to see basically regardless of metagame for right. the foreseeable future uh, un unless something gets banned or like something like that it gets banned from the deck like again not, not something that gets banned that changes the metagame that's irrelevant but right. people are going to love this decks forever this sort of like mid-rangey control decks uh, people love and also they spent 2k on their deck <laughs> they're gonna play it because I know that if I had spent 2k on a deck, I would want to play it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I yeah, Every time you see one of those like Twitter screenshots, it's like someone's like ripping a foil Yorion in half or something. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, you, you, you're going to like throw out your, your whole paycheck for a month or something. You know, like, uh, I, I I don't know. Um, the, 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 these decks get into the, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a lot of money. You could have, you could have. You could've, bought a lot of things with a with a four color elemental deck but here we are <laughs> just sell it just sell it if you don't want to play just sell it just do that do yourself a favor you can thank me later <laughs> but yeah it's, it's it's cool though i feel like sure the, the the part that is a little bit problematic about this is you know shuffling 80 cars is a problem and not only that but you know deck plays slowly people are going to be picking up this deck that do not have too much experience with it in paper and you know rounds are going to get longer so that's the only problem that i have with this deck being uh like so popular and such uh an unmovable part of the metagame i have no sympathy for the you know the the shuffle complainers of like it's 80 cars i'm like aren't you the same people who liked playing commander like i don't like isn't it don't, don't we have experience here? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it as the person that's waiting for the opponent to shuffle. Sure. You know, I, that's how I'm complaining, you know? <laughs> you're, you're not the shuffler, yes. No, no, no. Yes. I, I'm, I'm just complaining because it's just like, dude, you're fine. Like, you shuffled enough already. Can we please play? Like, can we please draw the card after you fetched <laughs> for the fifth time in this turn, you know? <laughs> I get it, man. I I I used to play Leon and Arbiters because I didn't want fetching to happen that much. Like I I not only am I not fetching, you're not fetching either. <laughs> yeah, then maybe this is just a Leon and Arbiter metagame, and we are not really we're not even aware of it. 
It's not. It's not. It, it's, I, I can't even joke with that. Spider's gonna get too hurt. You know, you're 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 killing me here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say. I will say. I, I I got to watch an old an old taxes buddy started started streaming again. Uh, Capons. Uh, he, he's, oh he's yeah. Some taxes again, and I I got to see him destroy an amulet player with with some leonin arbiters and it was like mm. it was so good he, he he got somebody who uh they like went to fetch and he like vialed in the the arbiter and then they like oh, went yeah. to bolt it and then he ephemerated it or like someone would pay and you ephemerate the arbiter and i was like ah like i'm 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 home like, i'm I alive was, I again was so happy <laughs> i mean it, it it didn't look good but oh it was so sweet it's all about the gacha, you know. Like it's all about the gacha for for the for them taxes players, you know. They just want to feel alive. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> you, you can talk about them taxes players now, okay? I, I enjoy it, like yeah, no, enjoy no. the good guys. It's okay. <laughs> who, who exactly is the good guys? Is it is it is that Merc died? Is that is that what it's, we're saying right now? It's everybody else. <laughs> just everybody else? Tax. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, a- Amulet is still the villain. I, I, you know, the, the the Amulet doing well again. I, I feel so conflicted because part of me is like, shit. That means I have to play against more Amulet, which I, I'm not happy about. But part of me is really happy because it's like, see, all of you people are out here like, no, Amulet's not actually good. It's like, shut up, dude. Look, look at this. Look at this. It's all over the place. It's, look, it's not good. Like, yeah. You know what? Like The problem is, like I always say the same thing. Amulet can never be good. Because if it is good, it's not good anymore. Like I, I cannot wait to jump on a league tomorrow, and I'm going to get paired against Ponsa, Ponsa, Mill, and, like I don't know, some Belcher nonsense. Please continue, just... people. Please do this. <laughs> I Like, I will... <laughs> I, it's the kind of thing I'm like, ooh, I could, I could take... I could take work off early to go play Ponza to bully the amulet players out of the leagues. You know, it's like, I, I, I really, I despise playing against this deck. I like, I'll play decks that have a supposed good matchup and my opponent just turn twos me two games in a row. And I'm like, I get, ah, just bye. <laughs> I don't know, man. Have you considered getting good though? I, you know, I really have. I really, really <laughs> have. All right, man. All right. Um, Cool. We covered a bunch of the topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, sure, there's been like some results, but as we said earlier, results are kind of sort of the same that we talked about last time. So uh, the metagame hasn't really uh, changed in a particularly relevant way lately. It was more of a, we wanted to discuss the interesting new tech that came out of those this later, later events and uh, yeah, talk about, I guess, Merktide establishing itself as the top, the, the preferred dog in the format. The preferred dog. The cultural dog. Exactly. <laughs> if you do not want to, to call it the, the top dog, we can call it the preferred dog because people prefer that, that, it. Okay? That, that is the most, like, you know, the Winnie the Pooh meme, meme where he's, like, wearing the, the monocle. Like, that, that is <laughs> that's exactly where my brain goes with that. Exactly. Exactly. You see, you get it. You get it. <laughs> So, what's up for you this weekend? Are you going to be doing any events playing? Like, are, are you back on streaming? I I hopefully am. I, I've got a pretty pretty busy week here. I, I've really been enjoying Legacy, but I haven't had time to actually sit down and play a full league. So, I some, somebody did well in the showcase that I played in as well with a Paradigm Shift deck. Which, for those of you who don't know, it's it's basically just inverter, but in legacy. And I I was very excited about this. I was like, ooh, I can I can invert people. So I like built a, a really cool like Bant version of the deck. And I prior to, to streaming here, I like finished a match and it was like three oh six oh. And I'm like, this deck is so cool. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's probably just worse. Doomsday. I don't know. What what once once this this uh my my busy week you know slows down, I will be hope i will be streaming some legacy i don't know maybe i'll go through my my showcase with hammer uh maybe i'll i'll, I'll stream some of that pseudo inverter i don't know I, I i've really been enjoying legacy um so if you're if you're looking to come to my stream i may be doing that but i don't know i also may just modern i i've also been messing around with um with aether vial and hammer time just as a quick aside wow. I, I i actually okay okay 
I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, he's just, he's up to his taxes shit. And, and, okay, look, I am, but I actually felt like it was decent. So I, I was playing four Aether Vial and four Giver of Runes in my hammer lists, and I, I was playing Core Outfitter. Otherwise, it's like sort of normal blue shell stuff. Um, and it actually felt surprisingly decent, where you didn't have to kind of go all in as much like so you played against i actually beat living end game one because i they were forced to sweep but i was able to end step put in a paladin and then untap and put in a stone forge and then you know hammer and just hammer things um but otherwise you know you, you play against four color and they've got a bunch of sorcery speed removal like you you, you no longer have to just throw your thing into a renin six ping you can untap with it you can you know there, there's all these tricksy things like i got to i played against Merktide, and i put in cauldra and my opponent at the beginning of my begin combat phase went to steal it with archmage's charm and because they were at my begin combat i got to violin core outfitter move the cauldra to it which it now has haste which presented lethal and i i like <laughs> oh that was it was so good um so i don't i i think that you know there still are things to to innovate with in modern just as we saw with steve i you know i, I can't tell you that yes aether vial is the truth but you know may, maybe it maybe it helps a little bit maybe you, you buy a couple percentage points in matchups that you wouldn't want to see otherwise like four color and living end that 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 was the theory anyway um but yes you can find me streaming these things in the near future at spider space on twitch you can find my nonsense takes about these things and dumb results with decks that shouldn't be played in formats on twitter good stuff good stuff now i just want you to try learning arbiter in hammer and see what happens no thalia no. hammer hell yeah you're like you're not going deep enough <laughs> I, you know, I actually have thought about it, and I was like, but you, but you play Saga, and then you have to make a car instruct and pay for the Saga, and it just, it doesn't, you know. I don't know, man. All I'm hearing is, like, no balls, no balls, no balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find me memeing on uh, Twitch. I'm going to be streaming on this. I've been streaming, like, once a week lately. Like, it's, it's really funny. Like, my latest stream, I played, like, a Yorion Tron amulet deck that somehow I went 3-2 with. And then I played... Stop. (laughs) Yes, yes. And then I also... (laughs) I played an Imprison in the Moon Ayasha amulet uh, that was playing three copies of Vesuva. So you Imprison in the Moon your own amulet or you Ayasha, and then you play Vesuva and you can copy your primetime. So they're like free and comfortable primetimes. Wow. Yes, I 4-1 with it. Let that sink in. (laughs) Okay. Amulet busted. Just let that sink in. Uh, That actually happened. So yeah, I've been been streaming once a week at twitch.tv slash fpavolush. That's F-P-A-W-L-U-S-E. And then, of course, everything gets uploaded to YouTube. And there's some uh, actual exclusive YouTube content happening on YouTube as well. That's fpavolush MTG. And you can support my content on Patreon, I publish MTG as well, and follow on Twitter, uh, where I rarely post anything at all. Uh, but uh, this has been Mishra's Bubble, episode 33. Thank you very much. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We will catch you again in a couple of weeks. Take care, and we'll see you later. Bye.